Thundergrunt. Lots transpired. Almost a month. Yeah. Ronald, probably a month. Pretty close to it. It's, well, it's we recorded three episodes in one night, yeah. and I think that took, took us through about six weeks. So, yeah. Because I think it was before I went on vacation. Oh, true. Yeah, it was and like it, before. And it was before you, oh, obviously, crap. didn't have anything going on in your life recently. <laughs> nah, you know, I just it was a normal day. Yeah, before the wedding and our honeymoon, and now we're back to, back to life. How was the honeymoon? It's awesome, man. It's good. It's great. Didn't want to come. How was the Halloween thing in Orlando? It's amazing. <laughs> I have nothing bad to say. You know, I, a few times. I mean, like the houses are like more impressive to me than they are scary. I guess. Right, right. But um, like the Freddy vs. Jason house was just I thought incredible. Well, what would they do? It? I mean, it's basically it's just like the theme of the of the movie. But like each section of the of the house, quote unquote, like highlighted Camp Crystal Lake and then the Elm Street house. Like at one part, you're like walking through what's supposed to be a, the camp. Really? And you walk out of it, and you're walking, like, you see the facade of the Elm Street house, and it's, mm-hmm. like, it looks incredible. It's got the address on. It's got the little girls, like, jumping rope, singing in a song out front. Oh. It is really, really well done. And, like, all the little scenes they played out from each movie, like, they had a lot of scenes from, like, Nightmare on Elm Street 3, which, outside of the original, was, like, my favorite one, like, mm-hmm. which is, like, you know, stupid stuff, like the guy with, like, the vein puppet guy yeah. and everything. Mm-hmm. Like, they had the scenes recreated in the houses, and... It was really cool. It was really cool. And the Insidious house, those two houses were the best houses. Mm. The Insidious house was probably the scariest house just because that freaking red demon monster was like yeah. everywhere. And it, Did they have like a haze over the house? Yeah, they had like the further. Ugh. You know, there's like a room you walk into. It's got like the little foggy and it's like yeah. lit like blues and purples are most like the scenes in the movie. It was oh, really shit. cool. That sounds and, really cool, man. And it's just a blast. I mean, if if you can ever go, I would I would totally. It's just, Even if you don't love haunted houses, it's really... The production value of it is just so cool to experience. And, mm. like, they make all these houses in the back lots. And you just, how how did you do that? Yeah. And they have, like, scare zones as you're walking through the streets. Like, where they have, like, people jumping out and scaring you just as you're walking through the street. <laughs> so even when you're out of the house, like, you know, you're still be, you're still at risk of trying to be scared. Oh, wow. It was cool, man. It was, it was a lot of fun. It, just nothing but good things to say. Cool. Except for the part where we... Had to come home. Right. That's, that's <laughs> always the... Get on the flight the back to Baltimore. <laughs> right, right. The sad reality in any uh, any escape from reality yeah. is that reality is still... It awaits. Reality. Yeah, it, it is. <laughs> but it was good. It was good. And you've moved? But, yeah. oh, actually, before... Uh, I'm, I'm glad you brought up Nightmare on Elm Street 3 because I my, uh, my horror buff self was really in pain when I realized that I'd said, when we were talking about uh, horror movie assholes in our last episode, I'd said that Chuck Russell, the guy that directed The Blob, in, in the the Blob remake in 1988, that he had directed Nightmare on Elm Street 2. But in fact, he directed Nightmare on Elm Street 3. Three. Uh, <sighs> I feel so much better now. Right, right, when I was right. listening you, you to that. You can tonight, yeah. John. <laughs> I was thinking we could fill an entire episode with, like, regrets. <laughs> yeah. And second thoughts, you know? Right. So what is this? This is the catch-up episode. This is a big... This I'll... is This is episode 146. Holy crap. Which, as it was prophesied millennia ago, that 146 would be an autumnal catch-up. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm ready for this. You are ready. So you've yeah. seen a lot of films. A decent amount. I feel no. like every time I look on Facebook, you're checking into a different yeah, man. film. I'm trying. You're going to tear. Yeah. I'm trying to keep up with you, you guys, because I feel like I'll, I'll like 
not see some stuff, and then you guys are like, I saw five movies, <laughs> like shit balls. I gotta compete. I, I felt like up to like a week and a half ago, I was so worried about what to talk about with mm-hmm. this episode because I hadn't seen anything. Yeah, right, right. since basically like the last week of September. Mm-hmm. But you were week, crazy busy. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. I, I couldn't see anything, and then like in the past couple past week and a half, I've, I've made an effort to see something. Okay, so yeah, that's good. We can at least talk about, or I can at least contribute to the conversation. <laughs> good, good. Most I, of my offerings are accessible through streaming means, but yeah. I did see a couple in theaters. I tried to see the ones that I thought you guys would see, so it'll be interesting to see. Okay, well, I can guarantee you I saw none of them. Okay. okay. Gotcha. <laughs> Maybe one, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I saw very little. Well, of any new releases. Well, okay. So, out to the theater, you didn't, you didn't perhaps see... I saw, uh, what did I see? I saw, I think I seen one movie... In the theater. Although I did want to just mention really quickly because I don't think we talked about it on that last episode. Maybe we did. But I know that we finally all saw Sicario. Yes. Yes. So just to put that out there. That was the last one I think I saw before we left okay. for all the vacation honeymoon stuff. That really would put you in a nice vacation honeymoon yeah. frame of yeah, mind. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Traveling, you know, to a foreign land. <laughs> yes. You know. um, but I, I absolutely love Sicario. Ron and I, we saw it at a screening together and I thought it was uh, different. Well... Everything I wanted to be it to be, but in different ways than I expected. Yes. Mm. Um, in terms of characterizations, even just storyline, really, I, I kind of went in places that I wasn't um, expecting it to go. I think the trailer kind of we talked about it a little bit. Like I feel like the trailer, in some ways, was like it 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 did two things. Like it kind of I feel like to some people it probably missold the film or or, or kind of misdirected them. You know, people probably went to see it thinking it was maybe a different kind of movie. But I thought it also did a really good job of just kind of disguising or like misdirecting me. I feel like I'm pretty oh, yeah. in tune to trailers in terms of specifically how important uh, Benicio Del Toro's character was to be to the story of the film. Well, I would say that it's funny that you mentioned that. I mean, I think I may have picked this as my my pick for October. I don't remember if I did or not. Maybe it was my pick for September. Um I think I may have picked it though when we did our fall preview as my September pick, and I was doing that based on having like read a paragraph about the the just who was involved, mm-hmm. the cast, which we you know Josh Brolin, Emily Blunt, uh, you mentioned Benicio del Toro, fantastic. Like even uh, what's his name? Uh, is it Jeffrey Donovan? Donovan, yeah. Is that his name? Yeah, Jeffrey, Jeffrey Donovan. Because he's on the new season of Fargo, Fargo as yeah. well, and I've always liked him when he's popped up, but it, I had to check the credits to make sure that was him. Right. In Sicario, because it was one of those great character actor roles where he's transformed his look a little bit, and the camera, he never got like a hero shot. There was never, the camera didn't linger on him in yeah. a way that suggested, you you know who this actor yeah. is. And it just made it feel like, oh, he's, I've just believed that character. He, he seemed like just a real no nonsense part of this machine that we saw. But all the acting was like that. Like, I felt like everybody um, kind of occupied their role, and there wasn't a lot of exposition, and you were just kind of thrown in amongst these characters, and you would overhear conversations, and you catch, you're kind of like Emily Blunt's character. Yeah, you, you're dropped into this world. And I, because I just read that paragraph, I, I don't even think I saw a poster for this movie. I right, didn't watch the trailer. Yeah, that's what you said. It's a rare occasion where I don't get interested in a film and then immediately watch the trailer, mm. but I was so sold because of the cast, because of Denis Villeneuve, who I think is turning out to be one of my, like, I was thinking at some point we might want to add our, like, you know, we have these directors that we've followed for 10 or 15 or 20 or 30 years of our lives, but there's probably directors that I've only known about for four or five years that are now amongst my my favorites, mm-hmm. that I'm right. most excited to see what they'll do next. And I think Denis Villeneuve <clears throat> is really on a hot streak as far as just 
a style and a pace and a and a quality of film that uh, that really keeps me interested. But anyway, so yeah, for me, seeing Sicario and then watching the trailer, I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't watch that trailer because the trailer did exactly what you said, Steve. It really tips you off to how important Benicio is going to be. Yeah. But watching the movie just as as Emily Blunt's character, I, that's what I put in my notes. Was I felt like I was her, you know, because I really was just going, "What's going on?" Trying to sit forward and 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 listen in. Yeah, I, I, it really crept up on me that he was not just going to be this shadowy figure who moves in and out of the film. When he started moving to a more central place in the movie, right. I I was really sort of surprised by that. So. I don't know if that's just a general endorsement for myself and for anyone listening to. Maybe if you know you're going to see a movie, skip the trailer. <laughs> Normally, I think it's weird when people do that, but I can see yeah. that in this case, it really did add to the experience. I felt like this movie took me on a ride. When it, by the time it was over, I was tired from being tense and from yeah. going, what? because what kind of movie is this? And I still yeah. don't even know. What kind of movie was that, Ronald? <laughs> Thriller. Uh, espionage? I don't know. Thriller mostly though. Yeah, it felt like a horror movie. It felt like a psychological yeah, thriller slash horror film yeah, that, against the backdrop yeah, of like, a military. I, I, I don't think that I've ever seen a movie that wasn't based in some sort of like uh, horror setting that made me feel quite the way that movie made me feel. The like darkness. I, the in dar- that film. Yeah, there's there's something about all of his movies that always make me feel like I I can't get out of this situation if I were there. I don't know what I would do. And see, I think what was really cool about the movie in general is seeing a different kind of strength in a, in a, in a woman lead. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of the times I think like, okay, so this woman has to like, you know, tackle somebody or push them in front of a car or something like that. I'm like, oh, really tough. But I think somebody... Or this woman is, they make her into a badass... And sh- the whole point is, let's see how well this woman yeah. hangs out with the boys and yeah. gives as good She's as she like gets, flip or whatever. Kicks and punching somebody and drinking, drinking alcohol. Yeah, and but stuff Emily like Blunt that. was was something she was different. different. She yeah. was different. She did the best in the situation that I think that anybody could have done, mm-hmm. which was kind of stay alive. And I think there's something super brave about that. That I don't think it, I think it's gonna get kind of missed in this whole thing of like surviving sort of thing. I watch survival horror all the time and stuff like that, but this is a different kind of thing where like, I felt like, I don't know if I could have survived this the way that she did, the way that she just shut up sometimes, the way that she just chose to do some of the things that she did and kind of reacted in the moment to it. Mm -hmm. I thought it was amazing, man. Emily Blunt is an amazing actress. Yeah. I I just, I don't know. No, I love that you said that because I may have mentioned this to you, but I think, um, I don't think I mentioned this in a text or anything, Steve. But uh, at the showing that I was at for Sicario, there was a couple behind me. Mm-hmm. And they, they were, I could tell, maybe wanted it to be more of like a straight action film because they were going, this is stupid. Right. That's stupid. And everything Emily Blunt did in the last act of the film, they were just going, oh, she, this is stupid. Oh, she's so stupid. What, what? You know, like when she, there's the scene where she finds out of the, the truth about what's going on and she gives a little pushback. And I think thought showed like amazing backbone for yeah. someone in that situation to not just say, okay, sir, when she heard what was going on. And this person behind me, I felt like was misreading the film because they were acting like she was weak. And I actually noted exactly what you just said, Ronald, which was they, anyone watching this film who thinks that she's somehow a pushover doesn't real the Emily Blunt character is some kind of a pushover or a weakling because of the way because the, at the end of the movie she doesn't have a lot of power about what's happening. It's one yeah. of those bureaucratic nightmares where you're a part of a system and you see how it was designed to screw you. Very much like a horror film, really, as far as how that arc works. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But at a horror film, you're right. Someone emerges bloody 
from the burning house where they were just tortured or whatever, you accept that just surviving is like a hero move. But I think in this movie, it's a different form of that same thing, of just her being alive at the end, which I guess that's the only spoiler we'll give. Her being alive at the end is an accomplishment uh, yeah, for this yeah. character, you know? Absolutely. And, and because she is in way over her head in terms of just how she got utilized and, and, and why she was in that situation, so. Yeah. So I think I think when I was... Think about when you were saying like the horror film thing. I think what was probably the most frightening to me, at least, I don't know that I really, I mean, the horror thing I get, but like I think that the most frightening part to me in watching it was like how cold the, like the actions were in the film. Yeah, like yeah. I felt like every, like all the missions they, like they, they were trying to take, to, you know, get a hold of or, or execute or whatever, or even like moments like her running like with John Barenthal's character in the film. Or, you know... The, the... Where you think for half a scene, you know, for once, John Barenthal's going to play a nice guy. <laughs> right. Because a lot of the scenes Wrong. are very, like, even though they're very calculated, they're very calm. You know, there's a lot of, like, calm to this film. Like, even when they're going through those tunnels, you know, with the whole military operation, it's so, like, cold and calculated that mm -hmm. it's scary that it's that quiet. Yeah. yeah you know, it's, it's like something is something is very scary about silence, especially when, you know, you see, like you were saying, from her eyes how much calculation and execution is going into this one thing and you know that it's basically going to spear and pinpoint one thing. Mm -hmm. It's going to all funnel into one action that is like some big thing. Even like with Benicio Del Toro's character, like his ultimate goal, you know, towards the end of the film, even that is like so scary to me because everything that he does once he gets, you know, to get himself to that point, it's not not really any of it is like loud shoot 'em up bang bang crazy action that you normally see in movies like this. It's like almost too quiet. To there's me. nothing, and it's scary. There's it's nothing very, cathartic about it. There's nothing right, cathartic exactly. about the revenge or the the act of vengeance or whatever. Yeah, which you're accustomed in this type of film to seeing the the bad guys get got and having this sense of triumph about it. Right. But this yeah. was a sickening feeling, and it's particularly you were mentioning how he goes about it, but what he actually does in the end too is one yeah. of the most foul things I've seen a character do in a movie, you know, in terms of the, the coldness of it. and the... yeah. Right, and, I'm, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I just feel like it's all so... Like, he just seemed... His actions were so calculated. Like, there was not a moment as they're happening where, like, there was any sense of hesitation. Right. Or, or any sense of, like, yeah. second-guessing, like, a, a way to approach what he was going to do. It, you just almost... At least I left thinking, like, he knew, like, that if that was a scenario he walked into, that was what was happening. God damn. Which is which is really it's really it's pretty scary. scary. And also the whole time that he's like becoming friends with her and kind of, you can, like the way that story revealed itself, the way his little story yeah. unraveled was really very moving up to a point. Like there's a the first half of that arc, you you see him as a protector and a an ally, and then you see what he was really after right. and what he's really gonna do. Right. Um, yeah, it's I thought that insane. was really cool too. Like whatever he did in the end was still his version of caring. Like I know it seems like super fucked up, but like. Given everything that it oh happened, sure yes, him being him giving that little bit of whatever emotion it was mm -hmm. that prevented because he could have just he could have just yeah he could have just you know there's a point where he could have pulled, there's he a point where he could have pulled the trigger for everybody and it would have simplified his situation a lot yeah absolutely and 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 <laughs> I think that's the cool part about it I've never I haven't seen a movie in a long time that really showed. How people express how people express themselves given who they are mm -hmm. in that situation, and that's the way they are. Who's the guy who played her partner? He was oh, great. Um, 
Let's say got Randy something. Yeah, also the kind of character who you Randy, often you Randy. often picture like disappearing after the first part of the film or something was, bad oh happening God. to him or something, but instead he's part of the story. And I thought that was really it was once again an example of I thought no Reggie. exposition. Reggie Wayne is the guy's name in the movie, but his name is Daniel Kaluya. Is it an African name? Because yes. I remember, okay, I remember seeing that in the trailer, I mean, and in the credits, and going, that must have been her partner. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but no, he was great. He was, he's and he great. was just a cool character. And there's points where you even wonder how much he's like the situation that we mentioned. I guess this movie is so spoilable, yeah. but I really feel like we shouldn't say too much. But you know what I'm saying? There's a situation where you might begin to wonder what he knew, yeah, and then yeah. he says one or two things that make you realize, no, he was never not on her side. But right. there's a mm-hmm. moment where you you can you can doubt that. But no, I just liked the way he felt like a real, fully rounded professional who had his own professional ego and ethics caught up in the situation, and it wasn't the same as hers, and hers wasn't the same, certainly not the same as Josh Brolin or Benicio Del Toro's, but both those guys felt like guys who existed in real systems too, where even Josh Brolin, who puts this smiling face on this, was incredible in it. And like maybe the best use of his swagger since... um, uh, uh, I'm gonna say strange thing, but my favorite thing about Planet Terror is his performance in that as like the <laughs> yeah. jerk boyfriend yeah. who's like yeah. a doctor. doctor. But I remember watching that film and thinking like, how did he manage to evoke perfectly the swaggery, the sleazy kind of swagger of one of those like '70s '80s films where you you know, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, a manly yeah. guy comes in and he's just and he would it, what it was he was chewing on a toothpick the whole right. time. He had a little tick. I just I just think Josh Brolin when he when he does that he's he's great. It's amazing that scene where they first meet. Each other, where mm-hmm. yeah, uh, they're, they're like in a glass. In the office, conference room, yeah. whatever. The guy, her, her partner's sitting outside and they're yeah. talking, and she's he's introducing the whole thing to her. I thought that was such a good scene, man, because it it felt fun. You like, I'm about to get into something. Well, I don't no, know what you, the fuck this is, but it's as grim as it was. It was <laughs> yeah, never it was super... boring, and it was never not. I mean, I don't want to say fun's a weird word to use, but as a moviegoer, as someone who gets off on this shit, like. It was fun. It's I was fun, the man. whole time. I was engaged by this. Film. I think. I think. Yeah. I was going to say engaging is mm-hmm. the safer way to say it. Right. But, you don't but that, like that scene in particular, <laughs> just getting into what they were going to get yeah. into. At least you're like, okay, this. She she's in this for a reason. They they think she's qualified. I'm but like, it's instantly oh, complicated because you know you don't know everything yeah. that they are. You know what I mean? We don't know exactly. We're hearing part of their conversation. Yeah. And then we cut to the partners outside, and we're hearing kind of part of their interaction. We don't really know what their full interaction is either. Mm-hmm. But that, at that point in the movie, what is it, 10 minutes in when you're at that point? And I was yeah. just so interested in what yeah. was going on. And I loved that. There's a point where they ask her. They're deciding whether she's right for this mission or this assignment. And they say, are you kids or whatever? They ask her, married, kids, divorced, kids? No. And I was like, oh, thank God. There's not going to be a scene <laughs> where she's with her baby girl and she's thinking. You know what I mean? Like yeah. That was like almost like the movie's way. It was her way of letting them know that, yes, I'm the type of unattached person who you can trust to be dedicated to this awful work. Mm. But it was letting me as a movie viewer know, no, we're not going to be bogged down with a bunch of family bullshit for this character either, which often can be the weakest part of these movies is when you cut to the person who's saying, look, Diane, if you just let me in, I'm here for you. Yeah. You know, like that that stuff is so such a drag that I felt like it was it was. And again, it felt like someone referred to this as a procedural. And I do think it fits that mold of you're just seeing the procedures of what's going on. But the characters that move in and out are really unforgettable and. I mean, my wife normally doesn't enjoy watching violent films. Like, she's not a big... Like, she'll watch it, but she it turns her off a little bit. 
and but I think this is one where it's like if I make her sit through it, she'll probably. Yeah, <laughs> she'll, she'll like. The I just show. think this is a movie a lot of people would like if they would give it a chance. But you might be right, Steve, that there is a way that it could be misrepresented. That you might be expecting less of a sort of depressing film in a way. Right. But. Yeah, it's a great movie. Written written by. Do you remember Sons of Anarchy? Uh, first couple of seasons. Yeah, yeah. Chief yeah. Hale. Yeah. David Hale from the. Yeah, he, he wrote, wrote this. Yeah, get the fuck out <laughs> so of so random. Yeah, he's written two things, and it's one of them is mm-hmm. probably one of my favorite movies of the year. <laughs> so don't you think you could have taken this movie? I said this before we started recording. He has the craziest hair. Yeah, <laughs> he's the crazy. It's, his hair is so magical. It's like fur. Yeah, it's like, so he was good in that show, by the way. Yeah. So I so I was just saying before we started recording, there was a movie that I felt like this is like the other side of the coin from. Don't you think you could have taken The Counselor and this and somehow just intercut all the footage and it would have felt like yeah, it was maybe. part of the same over-the-top world? Maybe. Because in that movie, that the whole thing about what these cartels will do and how scary these cartels are right. was was what gave the movie its its sense of horror. And this movie is about a different a different sort of person but dealing with the same... Like there's a nightmarish visual at the very beginning of the movie that you find that there's just a very strong indication of what the cartels will do. You know, yeah, what right. they find in that house is so like horrifying and um, it really sets you off down that road of feeling like kind of a horror film. I think yeah. I really do think that I wouldn't doubt that somewhere in Dennis Villeneuve's uh, just visual language, because I think Enemy had that kind of horror movie feel to it. Prisoners certainly had a horror movie kind of feel to it. I just think that he manages to... You know, there was a time where I was thinking a good topic for an episode might be scary movies that aren't horror films. And I think all of his fit that bill of you wouldn't call them straight horror, but they all have that like... Super scary. What's the same kind of stuff that might be scary in real life, you know? Somebody's actually dealing with a situation not unlike the one that we saw Mm. in that film in Sicario. That's pretty, pretty insane to think. So what else? What else have we seen? Uh, Any of you guys see The Intern? No. No. Oh man, gotta give, see that give us a quick. Like t- oh really? That was so good. Really? Um, I remember you told me at the screen. Yeah, you liked so it a lot. I, I don't normally use the word adorable when a, describing a sixty-something-year-old white guy, but man, I I have to tell you how adorable Robert De Niro is in this movie as Ben, a widowed gentleman who has not much of a life outside of you know, kind of being a widowed guy and he decides that he wants to uh do something to kind of pick up his you know, do more activities stay stay lively and he stumbles upon this seniors internship uh that involves uh a very young company owned by Anne Hathaway's uh com- uh Anne, com- Anne Hathaway's character <laughs> character Jules um really fun um really really get you kind of choked up because mm-hmm. you think about man what am i going to do when i get older this guy has this life about him even though he lost somebody that he keeps it together and it's fun to watch and there are a lot of moments that'll get you choked up and it's not done in a corny way and it and it's long enough that a lot of the the pacing that you have in other movies uh it doesn't have a lot of the mistakes like mm-hmm. kind of rushing the relationship between um Robert De Niro's character and Anne Hathaway, that doesn't happen. This movie's like two hours long. So the the progression, the way he kind of sees her suffering a little bit, wants to say something to her, sees her a little bit, that happens gradually rather mm-hmm. than a, a lesser movie would have forced it within the first 20 mo- minutes of the movie, which this doesn't. So I, I think it was really good. Uh, I, 
I'd suggest it to anybody, man. Fun movie. It's lighthearted, but also super heavy at the same time. Yeah, I've, I mean, it wasn't even... I have oh, to man. admit, it wasn't even on my radar as it's one that I might movie. go see. Yeah. I, I'm guilty of not thinking that those kind of big budget comedy dramas with... You know what I mean? Like, I see trailers for those and I just tune them out for some reason. I yeah. guess because I feel like... On a cinematic level, they are so uninteresting to me that I don't. That I feel like if I ever did see them, I wouldn't. I don't need to rush out and see them in the theater, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah but I'm sure I'm missing the occasional gem that way because. Yeah. See it, man. Because it's not like they're hacks. Anna Hathaway and Robert right. De Niro are both great. both great. good. Yeah. Uh, so Steve, what's another one that you've seen? Oh, I saw a gem in the holograms. Wow. Oh my God. <laughs> Was it really as atrocious? It's so bad. It's so bad. Isn't Molly Ringwald so bad. on him? I don't even want to spend much time on it, but it's okay. so bad. Okay, so Damn why it. do... This might be a generational thing. To me, I never would have thought this would have been good. So someone tell me why why it would have been good. I'm not sure that anybody really ever thought that this was a good idea to make a movie out of. Um, like I, know, a I know a lot of people who seem very disappointed that it's not good and that it's not faithful to the cartoon in some ways. And I'm just very... I find that strange... Because I, I just see it just seemed to me, but once again, it's a thing where I just was aging out of that type of cartoon when it came on. I think if somebody would have given it the right energy, like I, I, I do this comparison all the time, but the Speed Racer movie, mm-hmm. they at least tried. The Wachowskis mm-hmm. at least tried to make it in the same vein as it. And it's, this doesn't seem like one of those movies that even tried to stay faithful to. It's weird. I mean, like, I, I'm not the biggest fan of Jem. Like, yeah. I was, it's not, it wasn't my demo growing up. But, I mean, I definitely watched my share of Jem, and I've seen it ever since, even since it's been available on streaming I'm going 